Good morning. Welcome to First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. This is a spiritual community dedicated to the free search for truth and meaning. We welcome you here, persons of all religious, ethnic, and racial origins, sexual orientations, abilities, and other circumstances. I want to extend a special welcome to our visitors this morning. We're so glad you're here. We come from a long tradition that believes there is a spark of the divine in each of us. So let us greet the holy among us by turning to our left and our right and saying hello to your neighbor. Our chalice is the symbol of our faith, and we begin our services by saying in unison the words for lighting our chalice, which are printed in your order of service. In the light of truth and the warmth of love, we gather to seek, to find, and to share. Our call to worship this morning are words written by our Reverend Chris Jemerson. Come into this place of worship. Bring your hopes, your celebrations, your joyousness. Come into this sacred place. Bring also the aching, broken places in search of healing. Come into this hallowed ground. Bring to your mundane worries, your daily boredoms, the list of those undone ordinary tasks that weigh upon you. If only to have a time to set these things aside for a little while. Come into this community of the beloved. Come as we gather in worship. Ever since I became a Unitarian Universalist minister, I'll meet someone new or see an old friend that I haven't seen in a while, and they'll say, well, what are you doing these days? And I'll tell them I'm a Unitarian Universalist minister, and every so often they'll look at me and go, so what do you people believe anyway? (laughs) Or worse yet, Unitarian Universalists can just believe anything they want to, can't they? Well, not exactly. We don't have a creed. But we do believe, as Martin Luther King Jr. said, that we are all bound together in a tapestry of inescapable fate. We have a set of religious principles that we share. And here at this church, we have a set of values and a shared purpose. It's our mission. We put it on our wall and we say it together every Sunday. We gather in community to nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice. Our reading for Centering and Commitment this morning was written by Amy Young, titled, The Wide Spectrum of Mothering. To those who gave birth this year to their first child, we celebrate with you. And to those who lost a child this year, we mourn with you. To those who are in the trenches with little ones every day and wear the badge of food stains, we appreciate you. To those who experience loss through miscarriage, failed adoptions, or running away, we mourn with you. To those who walk the hard path of infertility, fraught with prods, pokes, tears, and disappointment, 
We walk with you. Forgive us when we say foolish things. We don't mean to take and make this harder than it is. To those who are foster moms, mentor moms, and spiritual moms, we need you. To those who have warm and close relationships with your children, we celebrate with you. To those who have disappointment and heartache and distance with your children, we sit with you. To those who lost their mothers this year, we grieve with you. To those who experienced abuse at the hands of your own mother, we acknowledge your experience. To those who lived through driving tests, medical tests, and overall testing of motherhood, we are better for having you in our midst. To those who have aborted children, we remember them and you on this day. To those who are single and long to be married and mothering your own children, we mourn that life has not turned out the way you longed for it to be. To those who step-parent, we walk with you on these complex paths. To those who envisioned lavishing love on grandchildren, yet that dream is not to be, we grieve with you. To those who will have emptier nests in the upcoming year, we grieve and rejoice with you. (laughs) To those who place children up for adoption, we commend you for your selflessness and remember how you hold that child in your heart. And to those who are pregnant with new life, both expected and surprising, we anticipate with you. This Mother's Day, we walk with you. Mothering is not for the faint of heart, and we have real warriors in our midst. We remember you. So let it be. This is the time in our service where we stop to breathe together. Concentrate on our breathing, feeling the energy of those breathing around us. We go to that deeper place, that place of wisdom, that place that some people call a spark of the divinity inside of us. Together, We breathe and we center, we meditate or pray or simply reflect upon our deeper selves. Let us enter the silence together. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2. This morning, 
I want to start by recalling a story that a few of you may have heard me tell before, a story from several years ago when I worked for an immigration legal services nonprofit called American Gateways. It's the story of an asylum seeker. I'll call him Mikkel, though that's not his real name. Mikkel and a family member fled their home country because they were being persecuted, even receiving death threats because of their religious beliefs. When they got to the United States, they immediately approached immigration officials and requested asylum. Immigration officials immediately locked them up in an immigration detention center. That's where we first met Mikkel in the T. Don Hutto Immigration Detention Center in Taylor, Texas. He was two years old at the time. He turned three in the seven months that they held him and his mom in the T. Don Hutto Center. At the time, they used it to house entire immigrant families. Just after Mikkel turned three, we represented them before the San Antonio Immigration Court, and the judge granted them asylum. We didn't get to celebrate, though. The Immigration and Customs Enforcement Attorney, or the ICE Attorney, immediately appealed the judge's ruling. They locked shackles on Mikkel's mom's wrist and ankles as he sobbed in terror, not understanding what was happening to his mom, and they took them back to the immigration prison. Mikkel's mom refused to give up, so we decided that we needed to try something else. A few days later, we had a conference call with that ICE attorney, and all of a sudden, he decided to withdraw the appeal and admitted that their request for asylum was likely valid. We think that his change of heart may have had something to do with the call he'd gotten from a national reporter earlier that morning. Now, how that reporter found out about Mikkel's story and how she got that ICE attorney's direct office phone number remains shrouded in mystery. <laughs> I'm afraid even that wouldn't work these days. Several years later, Mikkel was living in a large city on the East Coast with his mother, where she had gotten a good job. He'd become very proficient with his English and was doing well in school. We know all of this because Mikkel's mom sent American Gateways a letter with an update on how they were doing. Enclosed with the letter was a photograph of a bright, smiling Mikkel. Paper clipped to the photograph was a check for $1,000, a contribution to, as Mikkel's mom put it, help the organization help others like her, Mikkel thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Today is Mother's Day, and while we celebrate the many terrific moms in this congregation and beyond it, as the reading you heard earlier describes, there are folks who are also hurting for a variety of reasons on this Mother's Day. I'm painfully aware of my own mom and how she must be hurting because it's the first Mother's Day since we lost my stepdad, Ty. I wanted to start with Mikkel's story today because it was one that was a part of a public relations and legal battle that a broad coalition of human rights advocates fought several years ago to force ICE to discontinue family detention at the T. Don Hutto Center. And they did. 
We won that one. On this Mother's Day, though, the victory has turned out to be short-lived. We have come full circle, only it has gotten even worse. Today, hundreds of immigrant women and their children, some of them infants, are spending Mother's Day imprisoned in a detention center in Carn City, about an hour southeast of San Antonio. Many of these women and children have been held there for eight months or more. Many of them, like Mikkel and his mom, fled persecution and death threats in their home country only to be re-traumatized when they came to the U.S. and asked for asylum, asked for our help. And as if that's not enough, a little over an hour to the southwest of San Antonio in Dilly, Texas, ICE has just opened another detention facility which will eventually imprison up to 2,400 immigrants, most of them women and children also. Just last Saturday, several members of this church participated in a protest against this facility and a call for an end to all immigrant family detention. That T. Don Hutto Center that I mentioned now houses up to 400 immigrant women, again many of them asylum seekers, who will be spending this Mother's Day separated from their children and families. It's hard for me to imagine which would be worse, to be separated from your children or to be locked up with them knowing that you don't know how long they're going to be in prison with you. People who come to the U.S. and ask for asylum have done nothing illegal. In fact, what is illegal, according to U.S. law and international human rights treaties, is this prolonged detention of asylum seekers while we process their cases. And even in the vast majority of instances where immigrants have come for other reasons, like if they have bad economic conditions in their country of origin, they have at most committed an immigration law misdemeanor, kind of like getting a traffic ticket. I wonder what would happen if they started putting white people in prison for eight months while their speeding ticket cases got processed. And even after that, we can look at the fact that research shows that supervised community-based alternatives to immigration detention work extremely well. Immigrants comply with the law. They go to their immigration court and other appointments. And these alternatives are far less expensive than the over $2 billion per year we're spending on immigration detention. Yet for-profit prison companies like the GEO Group and Corrections Corporation of America, who run Carn City and Dilly, respectively, have discovered that the millions that they spend on lobbying at the local, state, and federal level to make sure that we are the prison capital of the world is really paying off for them in terms of the billions of tax dollars they receive every year to run these prisons. Their efforts have resulted in the U.S. incarceration rate being nearly five times greater than other countries, greater than the country of Rwanda. They have successfully lobbied, for instance, for Congress to require that over 34,000 immigrants must be held in detention at any time. They were also a part of influencing ICE to declare those women and children in Carnes and Dilly as national security threats. National security threats. 
Strange how often the people we label as dangerous felons and national security threats happen to have brown and black skin, isn't it? Alicia Congable, one of our several church members who visit immigrant women and children in local detention facilities, described the following to me about the Carn City facility. Women who have risked everything to follow their maternal instincts and get their children out of life-threatening situations only to find themselves locked up with up to three other women and all of their children in a room about the size of my office at this church. Infants not being allowed to crawl past the doorway of such rooms. Water that tastes like salt and chlorine. Food the children don't like and that doesn't provide the proper nutrition for them at these important developmental stages of their lives. Mothers having to spend the tiny amount they can earn doing work for the prison to buy their kids other food from the commissary and bottled water at $1.75 a bottle. When many of the women went on a hunger strike to protest their prolonged confinement, they still made sure that their children were eating. Even so, the guards told them, if you don't eat, we'll say that it proves you're an unfit mother and we will take your children away from you. Children depressed. Children distraught over seeing their mothers treated like criminals. An interior courtyard surrounded on all four sides by two-story walls as the only outside area where the children can play. They can't even see the horizon or any trees. Young children seriously discussing committing suicide by jumping off the two-story balcony of those walls. And in fact, Felicia and the others I talked with for this sermon told me so many horrors that these women and their children had been through first in their home country and then at the hands of our government and these private prison contractors that I couldn't possibly fit them all in one service. Even worse, immigration officials are denying most asylum cases and issuing deportation orders for entire families, sending them back to their homelands even though they know that they face possible death if they do so. I wish that I could let some of these immigrants speak for themselves today. They have shown such great courage. I can share with you, with their permission, the words one of them wrote down. My name is Bobby, not his real name, I changed it. I am 11 years old. I've been threatened and taunted because I have a language problem. Children at school have teased me, bullied me, hit me, and taken my money. At times, I would come home from school with my clothes torn and dirty, and I would be so depressed that I didn't even want to leave the house and never wanted to go back to school. My schoolmates are a part of a gang who were also taking money from my mother. Even the neighbors, we believe, are in the gang, and they've threatened to harm me and my family. They have said that they're going to kill me because they think I'm a homosexual. When my sister tried to, to defend me, she became the target of mistreatment and threats also. As children with a woman alone, there is no one to protect us. If I have to go back, we believe the gangs will follow through on their threats and harm us because they can. 
The police are either unwilling or unable to assist us, and so we are defenseless in our country. When Bobby's mom brought him and his sister here to ask for asylum, we locked them up in the Carn City Detention Center, despite the fact that they already had been issued a credible fear of being harmed or killed if they returned to their home country. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. And yet we do the opposite. We bind the angels, we clip their wings, and far too often we toss them back into a torturous hell on earth. When I was a kid in school, we were taught about episodes in U.S. history that some have come to think of as stains on the stole of our nation. The slaughter and subjugation of natives. Slavery, of course. Jim Crow, lynching, imperialism, McCarthyism, the Japanese internment camps. And in our time, I fear that the polluting of our national soul is escalating, a cancer spreading through our very core, the disproportionate execution of black lives by law enforcement, a criminal justice and correction system gone wild, and these modern-day internment camps imposed upon immigrant women and their children, these are all just different manifestations of that same cancer a cancer rooted in racist and classist systems that in turn support an excessively unequal distribution of wealth and power. Thank you. Do you know something? On this Mother's Day, in our time, I think we have a choice. After all, we're still living our time, and we can rise up together, a chorus of voices crying out in harmony. This is not the history we will allow to be written. This is not the story we will allow to be told about our time. This will not continue in our name. This makes a mockery of the values we were taught are at the very core of this nation. This violates the principles that we affirm and promote as Unitarian Universalist. We have a different vision, a vision of beloved community wherein all people are enabled to live lives of dignity, where we act from a spirit that there is enough for each of us rather than out of this culture of scarcity that we've inherited. We have a vision of offering hospitality to strangers, treating them as if they may well be angels among us. Now, I know that challenges like these can seem huge and overwhelming. It's, it's easy to lose hope. It's easy to feel that one person can't possibly make a difference. I'll tell you, though, there is hope. We have won against family detention before. And a federal judge has recently issued a preliminary ruling that immigrant family detention must stop. The final ruling is in less than 30 days, and I have no doubt that those private, those private prison contractors and the forces that fear the stranger will be out working hard to either appeal that or find other ways around it. So now is the time to make our voices heard. 
At the social action table today after the service, you can meet a representative from grassroots leadership, one of our many partners fighting against family detention, and you can get information on how to get involved in their efforts as well as many of our other partners' efforts. And while you're there, be sure to find out about the immigration action group Inside Amigos that this church is forming right now. From participating in campaigns to call for an end to family detention, to visiting these women and children, to supporting their legal costs, to providing backpacks with supplies for the kids if they get released, our many and our varying efforts all added together really can make a difference. On this Mother's Day, in this Our time in the history that has yet to be written, we have never had a greater opportunity, never been called more to nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice. May this be so. May this be the story that we write together. See you at the social action table. Now please join me in saying the words for extinguishing our chalice. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we are together again. Now as we go out into our world, may the covenant that binds us together dwell in your heart and nourish your days. May the mission that we share inspire your thoughts and light your way. May the spirit of this beloved community go with you until next we are gathered again. Go in peace. This is a production of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, go to our website at www.austinuu.com dot o r g